On this AirCheck episode, we continue our session with veteran radio personality Steve Craig. Steve is currently doing mornings at 97.1 The River in Atlanta. This is part two of four, where Steve talks about the end of Atlanta's 99X and the beginning of a new radio station in NYC, New York's WRXP. Steve also recounts the day of the Olympic bombings in July of 1996 and a drinking contest he had with Kiefer Sutherland. Let's do it. Welcome to AirCheck Season 4, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities, managers, consultants, owners, and your most humble hosts from Philadelphia, Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. This is part two of a four-part series with Steve Craig, Morning Man on 97.1 The River in Atlanta. In our last conversation, Steve explained his love for the Ramones and how he snuck into a Ramones concert at the Whiskey in L.A. Uh, my girlfriend at the time said, wait, I'm going to take you to a real concert. Because she was about a year and a half, two years older than me. And my 17th birthday was coming up. And she says, OK, I'm going to take you on a, a little birthday, John. And so she took me to the Whiskey in Los Angeles. And there was this band called the Ramones. How that attraction created a radio bit called the Wheel of Ramones that followed him from 99X in Atlanta to New York's WRXP. At the station, we had you know a lot of uh, leeway at 99X to kind of do what we wanted to do with our own shows. And so I thought, okay, well, Wheel of Fortune, let's put, just put a whole bunch of songs from the Ramones up on a wheel and spin them, and wherever it lands, we'll play that song. And a little confrontation he had with Courtney Love of the band Hole. So she calls up our radio station and gets a hold of our program director and she's just screaming at Leslie Fram going, who is this guy? I'm gonna go around, I'm gonna kick his ass. I'm gonna kick, I'm gonna be there like in two days and what, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, and she's just, you know, literally gonna, gonna come at me with knives. Here he is again from Atlanta, Georgia. Please welcome again, Steve Craig. You know, over the course of our lifetime, there are moments or events that take place, whether they be on a personal level, like weddings, babies being born, anniversaries, or getting your first job in radio, or the world stage, like remarkable moments in sport, world records being set. And sadly, this pandemic, um, assassinations, and even terrorist attacks. And the question of remember where you were when is always asked, right? And back in 96, the city of Atlanta was hosting the Summer Olympics, and the ungodly thing happened, the bombing in Centennial Park on July 27th. 99X was at that event in the park, right? We had um, a setup probably about maybe two weeks before the Olympics actually started, because there was a whole bunch of things going on with different uh, areas of the city prior to the actual Olympics starting. And someone decided that it'd be a good idea to set up a mobile studio. And we called it, it was Coca-Cola Olympic City and it was right next door to uh, Centennial Olympic Park. And they had you know a bunch of exhibits and, and, and different uh, uh, businesses and everything all set up. So they give us a nice big open fishbowl glass studio to sit in for about a month and a half. Uh, we just call it Coke Olympic city and it was our, our 99 X studio there. Uh, but again, it was the, the big giant glass window that you could look into the studio and we had to do our shows with people banging on the window and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was fun. Uh, we had a lot of people coming in, of course, for the Olympics, a lot of celebrities would come in too and do, do interviews and such. Um, Buzz Aldrin was one of the guys who came in, one of my childhood heroes. And, and, and we had a little interview with him as well. Um, but the the night of the bombing, we had the, the way our studio was all set up, we had the main hard studio. And then back in the back, we had like a tent area that faced the, the, the uh, Centennial Olympic Park. 
And that's where we had, you know, like file cabinets and all of our, we stored all of our stuff and our bikes and everything. A lot of us were at riding bikes down downtown. Um, and then Jill Melanson, uh, who was our night person was there live on the air and she literally had the mic open and she was doing a talk set. And all of a sudden you heard this. <coughs> And it, and it shook the whole the whole building. And she said, what was that? What was that? We bring you back live to the International Broadcast Center in Atlanta right now. And the mood of our program changes dramatically at this moment because quite apparently the kind of incident which you hope will never take place at an Olympic Games has in fact taken place within the past 15 minutes at nearby Centennial Park. Centennial Park in the middle of the Olympic ring, the huge gathering place for commerce and for camaraderie throughout the games has been the scene, it is reported, Hannah, of an explosion. There have also been a, several people reported to be injured. Reuters news service says that Atlanta And then she stopped and you know, finished her break, and then she walked back, and there are holes in the tent from the, the shrapnel that came into the back of the tent. And then all hell had broken loose outside, and, and the security people that we had around that whole area came and got her, and said, I, and, and she, they said, you need to come with us. You need to come with us. We need to evacuate. She goes, but my, my record's going to run out. I have to stay here. And she, I think she convinced them to, you know, to let her, you know, stay and kind of get everything all situated before she ended up, you know, being escorted out while they, while they worked on that. But uh, I remember she played back that audio and, and, uh, and, and it was just very disturbing to, to, you know, to, to hear that knowing what was going on at the time. And after that, the next day, uh, we were in the main studio and then we came back, I think a couple of days later and finished out their, our, their remote studio. Word is, you know, Kiefer Sutherland, or for some odd reason, you got into a drinking contest with Kiefer Sutherland. Tell me about that. <laughs> he had a, a, a small band that uh, he was uh, uh, messing around with. And this is, I think, like maybe uh, early 2000s, I think. I'd like to introduce Mr. Kiefer Sutherland. Of course. Well, first off, I want to thank Sean and Leslie for their amazing support. Uh, morning radio is not something that I've ever done in my life. And uh, just because I was so scared, uh, it's, it can be a very dangerous thing for someone in my position. And uh, you were so gracious and so kind. and. You're one of the last great radio stations that makes it about the music, and I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, so he was up at this place called Smith's Old Bar, which is uh, you know downtown Atlanta, really nice little small venue, and we were up there kind of hosting the uh, the show. And afterwards, it was a little bit of a meet and greet after the concert was over. And so I'm sitting there with you know, some listeners and some of the staff members, and so we're talking, and and he's just a real real approachable guy. And uh, he says, uh, he says, what are you drinking? I said, yeah, I'm just got, you know, just some tequila that I like. And he goes, you like tequila? And I went, yeah. And he goes, how much? And I went, well, what are you getting at? He says, come on. And I went, what? And he goes, come on. So he picks up a shot and he, and he, and he was, I don't know what he was drinking, something. And shot. I had my tequila. I was going to pour me another shot. Shot. And I want to say I want to say it was it was it was it might have been uh, Sammy Hagar's Cabo tequila or whatever. 
uh, that was brand new at the time. And so literally he were trading shot for shot. And at, at that point, some people were coming over and watching the whole thing happen. And then I, I just, I don't remember waking up the next day. And from what I understand, he was fine for the whole thing. They say, yeah, you kind of fell asleep on the end of the bar. It's like, yeah, okay. And so he, you know, went on in his merry way, you know, winning probably one of many drinking contests. <laughs> and the interesting thing is here comes uh, RXP. And again, our first year at uh, uh, WRXP in New York and Matt Pinfield and Leslie, who are doing our morning show, they're talking to Kiefer. So he's actually in the, the, the station. <laughs> 101.9 RXP, Kiefer Sutherland in the studio with us. You're listening to Matt Pinfield in the morning. It's Leslie and our producer, Matt Ayani. And before you leave, Kiefer, we, I want to hear about this, uh, this new artist that you signed, because everyone that I know at the label keeps telling me about this yeah. guy. When are we going to hear some music? Well, you're going to hear it before anybody else. I think one of the nice things uh, in the relationship that we've kind of had over the last five years is you were such a huge supporter of, of Rock and Luca and the Burden and, and our label uh, that one of the great pleasures is actually finding an artist and going... This is gonna knock Leslie's socks off, you know. And uh, so I'm getting ready to go on. I go on at ten lead. o'clock after them. So I'm walking down the hallway, and then we took a picture. Here's uh, you know Keeper Sutherland and all the staff members. And he looks at me, and 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 he kind of looks, and then Leslie says, "Yeah, this is Steve Craig. You probably met him in uh, in Atlanta. We worked together at 99X." And he goes, "You still drinking that shitty tequila?" <laughs> <laughs> And I went, I, I, I said, I do not remember. And he just winked at me. It's like, yeah, I got you. It's like, you want to do it again? No. Steve, tell us more about 99X. You were there for the 17 years, the whole run. You touched on its evolution from Power 99 to the juggernaut that it, it did become. Uh, and you mentioned a few of the jocks there with you. Who else made that lineup? Dive a little bit deeper into those early days and, and how that station did evolve. So when I started there at uh, 99X, it was about maybe 1992 and we actually converted from Power 99 and launched it. Uh, and then at the time we had our, our program director at the time was doing mornings and the, the guy who was doing midday, which is 10 to 3, uh, who will remain nameless because of the Iggy Pop situation. Um, and then uh, I think uh, Domino, who's you know great jock. He's, he's a flamethrowing kind of jock. Uh, Tony Lini, Domino, was doing afternoons for us. Who is this? This is Charles Davis. Charles, why are you calling me, man? Uh, did I hear the power pick? Yes, you did indeed. I found him and you heard him. All right. That means you have picked up Susie and the Banshee concert tickets. Cool. They're cool. going to be here February 15th at the International Ballroom, Brandon Place. You'll be down there with a with a friend, I hope. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Tell me what radio station. Make sure your socks white, even in the wintertime. Power 99. I don't know what that meant at all. <laughs> Is it harder to keep your socks white in the winter or in the summer? I don't know. It's a question that only Tide knows. All right, hold on. Okay, buddy. But that ended up kind of clearing out, and we kind of you know brought in the people who actually knew the format and were a little more well-versed in uh, the new wave stuff from the 80s and the alternative stuff that was coming down the pipe. Uh, so we formed up our morning show, which was the morning X, the famous morning X. And that was, uh, Steve Barnes who came in, he was originally doing afternoons for us for about maybe, uh, three, four months, moved over to mornings, uh, Barnes, Leslie, and Jimmy, that was our, our morning X. The morning X with Barnes, Leslie, and Jimmy. Which is it? A camp, a colony, a compound? It's a naked club. Here we go. Jimmy's in his underwear. Uh Uh-oh. Jockeys. Hey, 
and they were phenomenal with everything that they did it was just a, a, a wonderful run. They were there for, I think, I think they did like 12 years, 12, 13 years uh, on the station. Leslie Fram, who was our, uh, at the time, our music director and our assistant program director. Besides being on the morning show, part of the Morning X, I am the uh, assistant program director. And let me tell you a little bit about what I do when I get off the air. I work with all the record companies. We put together all of the free concerts that 99X does and all the Live X concerts, which is our acoustic series. So all day long, I sit on the phone talking to record companies and managers and tour managers and bands. And um, Jimmy Barron, who was just pretty much a stand-up comedian. He was a newcomer. He had done a little bit of radio, and uh, he was the... Uh, uh, the abrasive guy. I'm the executive producer of The Morning X. Uh, the producer of The Morning X, okay? Jimmy's a great guy. I, I, I love Jimmy. He's he's the best. I was the guy in, in, in your class who was the screw-up, who was always cracking jokes, who never took it seriously, and, you know, who the teachers didn't like because he was always disrupting class. But they kind of liked him as a person. And thank God they invented a job for that guy. They just had a great chemistry all the way through it. And about that time, they formed up Brian Phillips, who now is uh, running Cumulus. Uh, he was our program director. He came in, and we were all over the place. We were playing a whole bunch of different you know, music. And so he kind of narrowed us down a little bit and kind of focused us into a, uh, a format, which actually worked because we still, as individual uh, DJs, we still had uh, a little bit of leeway, a lot of carte blanche, really, with what we did. I had a noon show that was called the uh, House of Retro Pleasure, and that was just a look back into the 80s. And so if it was released as a single, it was fair game. So I was playing everything from, of course, the Ramones in the, the 70s, Elvis Costello and and those the, the late 70s kind of stuff, all the way through anything new wave, anything that MTV was hitting on that wasn't pop. We were playing all that stuff, psychedelic furs and the flock of seagulls and uh, uh, social distortion and all these different bands that we were playing. And that was a great feature. And that was a good uh, a good benchmark for me, along with Steve's College of Musical Knowledge, which I've been doing now for 38 years, which is it's a trivia question. That's all it is. Like, OK, it's, it's, it's all theater of the mind, as we call it. You know, it's just it's a way to candy up a trivia question. Um, and like now I'm still doing that 640 every morning on 97 one, the river. And I just give out diplomas. <laughs> have these all fixed up for the listeners. Put this on your wall. We don't have concert tickets because nobody's in concert here. Put this diploma on your wall. Um, and then for uh, for 99 X, then uh, me doing uh, 10 to three. And then uh, Sean Demery, my, my very dear friend, uh, who left us about three years ago, um, he, I had met him back in uh, Fresno in 1979, and we'd been in different markets. We were in Salt Lake City together. We were in Southern California together a couple times, uh, followed him out to Atlanta. Steve and I have, have worked together, what, five times now? We've worked together since 1979. Wow. Actually, so. yeah. uh, he was afternoons. And back in the old Power 99 days, he was shotgun Sean Demery. And at night, at the time, the first night jock we had was Will Pendarvis, who was, he's just an insane character. He was just very unpredictable, very off the wall, very low key, but you knew there was a little bit of something there. Thank you for listening to tonight's program. And let's uh, wind up for the theme song here. Uh, oh, yeah. Get busy, now hear me. Do your funky dance and get dizzy. Do it right now, not later. If you wait too long, you might fade out. <laughs> uh.
I'm the DJ. You're the dancer. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. I was going off again. Uh, fear of music with my lovely, dear, dearest heart, Jeff Clark, is next on 99X. That was his whole shtick. He was a really, really good guy. Um, and then uh, overnights, you had uh, Axel Lowe and Jill Melanson. And uh, Will left after a while, and uh, Axel moved into nights. And Sean left. Axel moved into afternoons. And he's still doing afternoons uh, on that frequency over at uh, uh, our competition, Rock 100, here in Atlanta. Rock 100.5, Bailey and Southside in the morning. And the best rock all day. The new sound of Rock 100.5. So he's been in the market just as long as I've been. And that was our that was our lineup. And then the, the weird thing is there was there was no turnover at that station. We had a guy whose name was Matt Jones. Matt was a great guy. He's still in the market. Uh, he did a show called Organic X, and he played a lot of the acoustic stuff, a lot of the uh, the more triple um, a stuff that was that was coming out triple a being being uh, adult album alternatives is what is what the, the format is for those who might not know uh it's uh, uh it was the softer side of alternative dave matthews came out of that particular uh genre of music so he was playing that on sunday mornings and he was our go-to fill-in guy and he waited patiently for probably a good 15 16 years to get a full-time shift, but none of us ever left because we were having such a great time there. It was such a solid station. None of us really ever wanted to leave. I had a couple of job offers to go to Dallas and, uh, you know, work for, for, you know, our uh, uh, sister station out there. And I said, no, nah, I'm happy here, man. We're kicking ass and we're not going anywhere. Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality. From Radio Personalities, you're listening to Season 4. Catch up with Seasons 1, 2, and 3. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play AirCheck Podcast. The early part of a decade, you think of the radio industry and the music that's coming out, where radio was in 1971-72 as Led Zeppelin was coming on and the Rolling Stones. You think about the early 80s, you had yeah. the Van Halens coming on. and You get to the early 90s, man, here comes Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Nirvana, but also bands like 10,000 Maniacs and yep. uh, the Indigo Girls. And this was a radio station that focused... 99.9 99.7 that was your dial position right right but, any, right but anyway you guys focused on that music so it was just such an exciting radio station to be doing that and you're giving locals a shot yes of, uh highlighting some of the um you know the great music in the atlanta area talk about uh, you guys had a locals only show yeah, I hosted that on, uh, it moved around a little bit. It was like a Saturday night. Uh, and then I kept saying, hey, you know, everybody's pretty much out seeing local music on Saturday night. Let's do like a Friday and then it moved to Sunday. But it was just a specialty show where I would just showcase local bands and the ones that actually had CDs or had uh, tapes. You know, we had actually DAT tapes from some of their studio uh, work that they were doing. Some were even pressing vinyl at the time too. And the way the show kind of kind of went is if you were far enough along where you could actually get a CD cut, you were worthy. And there were so <laughs> many different genres that we had. We had some very hardcore bands that were coming out. We had some great Brit pop bands. There were some uh, some 
rockabilly style bands of uh, cigar store Indians comes to mind. And uh, uh, they were kind of like the, uh, the big bad voodoo daddy meets uh, squirrel nut zippers and all these bands that were, that were coming out in that little swing era. Uh, and then uh, typical, just, just balls to the walls, rock bands, uh, the, 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 the spread of music was, was so diverse in that town through the nineties. It was just amazing. And we were actually talking about that the other day with uh, some friends of mine from that time that all the venues are disappearing and, and it's just, it's, it's not a rock town anymore, but back then that was the thing. And at least for me is any given night during the week, weekends, whatever, I was out checking out live music and just seeing what was out there and got to know quite a few of the bands and started championing, championing uh, a lot of them. Uh, Sean Mullins was one of my favorite uh, acoustic artists at the time. And uh, he had a, a, an album that did really well called Soul's Core. He uh, really rose above uh, everything and had a couple of good hits and he's still in uh, he's back and forth from Atlanta to Nashville, uh, writing songs and performing, and and he made it big. Uh, Butch Walker uh, watched him go from uh, you know several bands to one of the biggest producers now that's uh, that's out there. Uh, there's a YouTube star by the name of Rick Beato. Have you ever seen any of his YouTube videos? Uh, he's got like two three million followers or something on YouTube. Uh, he was in a little band called Billionaire for a while that I used to love to play. And so we became good friends. And then he all of a sudden went into producing. So I started producing 1999, 2005. I had my first platinum record. I figure that was pretty good progress right there. Because really one of my goals as a producer was just to write a song that went number one and produce a record that sold a million copies. And that was it. I reached my goals <laughs> as a producer. And I went on and started my YouTube channel. Um, some of the bands broke out, some didn't. The ones that uh, that ended up breaking up, a lot of the guys uh, went into different projects. But Rick went into, uh, a, he set up his own little studio and was a sought-after producer. Because everybody at the time said, okay, well, I want Butch Rocker to produce my album. Butch is too busy, don't worry. Uh, you'll never get a hold of him. They say, well, what about Brendan O'Brien? He's all, all over Atlanta. I say, well, Brendan, yeah, you're not going to afford him. They say, well, here call Rick Beato. He'll, he'll help you out. And so after a while, Rick Beato calls me and says, stop sending me these bands. I don't have time to do this anymore. <laughs> and now he's just, uh, he's, he's, he's got Grammys under his belt and, uh, and he's got his big YouTube channel, which is phenomenal. And, uh, and there were, there were folks like uh, Jennifer Nettles, uh, when she started out uh, before Sugarland, we were playing a lot of her um, stuff here on, on the on the locals only show. Wow! Uh, one of the first bands that that I kind of helped push along was Collective Soul uh, when they were just getting started. Uh, the Dave Matthews Band. I remember it was '92, and they played this little tiny club called the Chameleon Club in uh, in Atlanta, and probably one of the smaller of the venues. And I remember I came to see these guys and the stage was so small and Dave Matthews band was so big that <laughs> remember the, the guy who was working behind the, uh, the board, his name was Shalom, the guy working sound kept saying, can one of you guys like jump down off the, off the riser? Can you like stand down? Can you like two of you guys get down in front, like right where the crowd was going to be. <laughs> And they, but they, they played their set and it was phenomenal. There was about maybe uh, 35, 40 people there. And then the next the, uh, the next year, they just blew up so huge. And uh, there was just so many great bands that uh, that, that came through that uh, 
that whole scene that were just uh, phenomenal. Some that some that made it really really well. Some that some that you know didn't. Got really close. Well, speaking of making it, almost two decades in the Atlanta market on one radio station there at 99X is as close to that definition of making it than anything else. Uh, but as they say, nothing lasts forever. And when one door closes, another one opens. So talk a little bit about those final days at 99X and then that door opening in the Big Apple with this new brand, WRXP. When, um, when the big evil corporation took over 99X, and basically let all of us go. And they decided, hey, we're gonna take our, you're gonna take the 99X brand and we're gonna make a video channel out of it. It's like, okay, see ya. And at that point, um, I was kind of looking around for, for another, another gig. And they, they wanted to go, they wanted to go internet radio with it. They, want, they wanted to, they took it off the, uh, the frequency. And that was, a lot of political stuff with our sister station who wanted our signal and our ratings weren't doing that well at the time. We, there was a big, uh, a big change in formatics. There was a, a decision that we had to make whether we wanted to go into that new metal type of phase with the Lincoln parks and the corns and, and these, these bands that were, that were a little bit too heavy for our female audience. Uh, or do we stay and age with our audience and do a little bit more of a AAA kind of thing and go into like the Dave Matthews style of, uh, of AAA? So they opted for the harder end and it kind of you know went downhill after that. Uh, Cumulus took a hold of us. They thought they could fix us. They couldn't and they just decided to you know give us our walking papers. But they said, hey, well, we're going to save you, you and you, and we're going to turn the 99X brand into a, a website radio station. So we were doing web broadcasts for another couple of months, and I kind of held on a little bit in there, and uh, it just it just was gone at that point. And like with any radio station, you know, there's no way that you're going to ever recreate that magic again. So it's it's never been back. They've tried to resurrect it, but it's it's never been the same. Um, so I got a call from um, a guy by the name of Dan Halliburton, who was actually the guy who kept offering me a job in Dallas. He worked for our, our parent company, Susquehanna. And I always was asked, like, every time my contract would come up, I, my, uh, one of our managers would take me in his office and say, hey, uh, you want to go to Dallas? No, no, I like it in Atlanta. <laughs> Does that happen like three or four times? And so then uh, I get the call from Dan and he goes, uh, well, would you like to come work for me now? <laughs> and I went, sure, I'm not doing anything. Where are you? He goes, New York City. I went, New York City? Hmm. And he was telling me everything that they were going to do. And uh, everybody in, in and around the industry said, no, rock doesn't work in New York. It just does not work. And Dan and uh, uh, a few of the other guys, uh, Brian Schock, who was uh, involved in uh, uh, programming of the station, um, Jimmy Steele, a lot of these uh, these industry guys told us, no, we're going to prove them wrong. We're going to make it work. Visit the Rock Experience 1019RXP.com. Listen live online on iPhones and on Blackberries everywhere. Rock, rock 1019RXP. So they flew me out and, you know, just said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play rock from the, you know, the we're going to go from the Beatles and the Doors and Hendrix, and we're going to play everything that's rock all the way up to at the time, you know, the Killers and 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 bands that were you know fairly new and fairly rock. This would have been uh, 2008, 2008, 
when I when I went out and uh, I had a, a, a I was the first one hired uh, for the actual format uh, as a jock. And but I was the last one to show up because I had a little bit of a contract issue that I had to, to finish out with uh, the 99X people. The Rock Show, 1019RXT. 9:48. My name is Steve Craig. It's the Rock Show. It's been it's been a labor, but a labor of love. And tequila. Your shot to rock. It's a long competition. Three local bands. We narrowed it down to out of uh, oh gosh. 7,000 entries or something like and that. And so at the time, uh, they're saying, hey, well, we're, we're looking for someone, do you know, who might want to, you know, who would be a good fit for program director. I went, well, gee, Leslie Fram would be absolutely perfect for it. And they go, yeah, okay, that, that, that works. Because they were talking to Matt Pinfield at the time about doing mornings. And they almost had him on board. And I think once they got Leslie, Leslie talked to Matt, they were going to do the morning show. And that was wonderful. They, they really got along well. Uh, I was going to come in and do midday, and uh, Brian Schock was doing afternoons, and we had another local guy, another Brian Phillips, a different Brian Phillips, doing uh, nights for us up there. So we had the staff all set, and we were just playing rock and roll and talking rock and roll, and it was a little bit free form. And all the listeners who were all of a sudden discovering this were comparing it to like the old um, uh, BAB in Long Island. There was uh, another station that was uh, very popular in New York uh, back in the 70s that was playing rock, kind of an underground rock station. And they said, this is phenomenal. And all of a sudden the ratings were just going through the roof. And we were having just a great time and just immersing ourselves in, in New York and the culture. And uh, I, I, my, I was spinning the wheel of Ramones and having a great time with that. And that was <laughs> opening a lot of doors for me. Um, and Matt Pinfield, I mean, he, he's a, he's, we, I, I kind of pride myself on knowing a lot about, you know, rock history and Matt is a savant. I mean, he knows everything. You can throw random facts out and he'll tell you even more about it. Uh, uh, you can say, well, who, did, who was the actual artist of this obscure band's album that came out and oh, that was this, that was uh, the John Smith, it was this person. And he knew exactly, it, it, it was filed away in his head. And we would do trivia contests in the hallway and he always <laughs> would kick my ass. He just knew so much. I learned so much from him. Take new music, classic rock, and alternative and merge it together. Along with music from local artists, some signed, some not yet with a label. It's what rock radio is all about. And as a Jersey boy, that's why I'm so excited to be a part of 1019 RXP. Check us out at 1019 FM on your radio and share the experience. Tell your friends. The, the hard part of that was being... He's Matt Pinfield. He's out, you know, with the bands at night, trying to get him to come in from Jersey at five o'clock in the morning to do a morning show. That was a very, very tough thing for him to do. And but we, we he lasted uh, doing that for about three years and did it very successfully. And uh, then we kind of moved it moved him over to like a midday thing. And then I came in and did mornings at RXP. And wow. that I, I tell you that was. Um, when all of a sudden your boss comes in and goes, uh, we'd like you to do mornings. And it's like, it's, it's New York city. It's, I'm not a morning guy. Uh, and they said, just do your middays. Just, just do what you do from 10 to three and just do what you normally do. Spin the wheel of Ramones, do Steve's college of musical knowledge. We'll throw a little rock news in there. We'll give you a producer. I did a thing called the punk trunk, which was kind of fun. So literally we were opening up the punk trunk 
and playing uh, a New York punk band at seven o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> people loved it. It was New York. So, I mean, it, 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 anything, anything goes pretty much. Wake and bake. And, yeah. So I did that. I did that for a year. And, uh, and then another, you know, sad situation when uh, it was, it was, it wasn't us because the ratings were doing really, really well. Uh, the station got sold and it was just a corporate decision. So after about four and a half years, we were you know on the lookout again. Uh, and then I went from there and uh, I immediately got some phone calls saying, hey, you want to come back to Atlanta? Yeah, sure. So, but I love that time in New York. I, I, would, I, won't, I wouldn't trade that for anything. A lot of people said that, well, you weren't there long enough to really hate it, uh, but, I was, but I was there just, to, I think, just long enough to really, really enjoy it and have a really, really fun time. With it. There's nothing like working on the radio in the big markets, New York City, Philly, right, Paul? Sure, and Atlanta's not too shabby either, and he went back for a second round. Gotta love it. On our next episode with Steve, part three of four, we learn about a listener who won a contest to have Foo Fighters play in their garage, how hanging out with a friend who was a radio station van driver started his radio career, an encounter he had with actor Paul Buttram, the infamous Mr. Haney on Green Acres, and a special encounter he had with one of his radio idols, the real Don Steele. Every episode of AirCheck is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us to be alerted when new episodes are released. You can also tell your smart speaker to play AirCheck Podcast. If you haven't done so, give us a great rating. We'd also love to hear from you on our Facebook page, AirCheck Me. This is Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. We'll talk to you soon. Closing out another episode of AirCheck, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. If you have radio stories to share, we'd love to hear from you. Join the AirCheck guest list. Email aircheckme at gmail.com. Musical props are Chris Gordon's. Announcer props, I'll take those. Greg O'Brien, the OB. AirCheck is available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play AirCheck Podcast. AirCheck is the creation of RDPK Productions.